Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Well, I'm, fit, I'm feeling pretty wealthy right now overlooking a, a, a patio with a beach and trying to keep my internet all stable. So I'm away, um, but I am seeing my friends. Fagy, where are you, Fagy? I'm in, in, in Paul Johannesburg, but Ada, I was hoping <laughs> to see a real background over there, not a fake one. We may <laughs> as well see the up. real sea. <laughs> <laughs> afterwards, Fagy, afterwards. <laughs> Well, good morning, good morning to all our listeners. And today we have a really interesting show, which I would, um, I'm sure you're going to enjoy and would love you to participate in. We are going to be talking about the link, or is there a link, between our genetics and the prevalence of cancer. We know that cancer is one of the top three diseases that still takes a lot of lives every single year. And there's obviously a lot of debate around you know, it does the horse, the horse come before the cart or the cart before the horse? Is it because you have the genetics that you get the cancer or is it, you know, the way your lifestyle is um, and what you are eating that actually tr- triggers the genetics? And today we have none other than Helen Gauchi. She is a dietitian by training and has worked at a place called DNA Analysis for over eight years. Um, her role is in research and practitioner education related to the field of nutrigenics and personalized healthcare. And she will be here to answer all your questions. Please get involved. Our SMS line is 34519, our telegram number 0618951019. Without further ado, good morning, Helen. Good morning, Adol and Shady. Thanks so much for having me back. Thank yes, you for joining were, us once again. We were supposed to have you back a couple of weeks back and then I just woke up in the morning and <laughs> there was no voice. So we're really excited and thank you for uh, coming on to the show. Right, so we're yeah. going to be talking about the link between um, cancer and genetics. Maybe give a bit of an introduction as to is there a relationship between them and what is the thinking these days um, in, in medicine? Uh, regarding this topic? Well, there definitely is, and and that has been well established, that there are specific genes that are very strongly related to cancer. And then actually one of the hallmarks of cancer is when you have genetic instability, um, and that is where kind of your your DNA starts um, going a little bit rogue on you and starts replicating in a way that is uncontrolled and that is actually where sort of the 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 formation of of cancer um, cells uh, begin so so one of those those hallmarks being uh, genetic instability and and uh, gene mutations when we're thinking of our own genotype definitely also um very important to consider um the relationship there that there are certain inherited mutations that um, individuals carry that have a very strong link to cancer. But interestingly, actually, those inherited mutations are possibly the cause for around 5 to 10% of all cancers, um, especially if we're thinking, say, breast cancer. We could think of BRCA as a really good example. 
but that's actually those inherited mutations, those high penetrance mutations are only the cause of around five to 10%. And, and then the rest of the, um, the, those incidents of cancers actually come through from a combination of our genes and our environment. So it's, that's actually, I saw that statistic uh, just a little while ago, I actually posted it on our WhatsApp group that only five to 10% is genetic, but cancer seems to be so prevalent today. Exactly. And so that's, uh, it's for a number of reasons. Obviously, so, so that five to 10% that inherited those inherited mutations, those are really the strong inherited genes. And that certain when you've got a very strong family history, you know, if it's your your mom and your aunt who've who've developed breast cancer and generally at quite a younger age. The rest of those cancers and why is it becoming so much more prevalent? Why is the incidence going up? Well, our lifestyles are becoming more modern Western lifestyle in many ways, and that um, there are many uh, factors around increased obesity, increased inflammation and oxidative stress that drive a lot of the, the hallmarks of cancer. And, and then it's this combination of many genes inherited together. So they're not really strong on their own, but if you've got genes, a gene variant, same detoxification processes that aren't working so well, and you've got gene on gene on gene um, variant in those areas, showing a poor detoxification in an individual. And then on top of that, you are exposed to many environmental uh, pro-carcinogens. You, you eat a lot of smoked foods, you eat a, a high red meat intake, you're exposed to a lot of pollution. That then has a cumulative effect on increasing one's risk. So then how does one find out early? How do they do an, like an early diagnosis? Well, they, they, so they're actually really very interesting um, tests coming through. Um, and, and I suppose it's, it's what you choose to do with, with which test you're going to choose. Um, screening is one of the best, and, and thank you, that's such a good um, question because screening is one of the best ways to, um, to actually improve outcomes, um, improve prognosis is, is early screening. The earlier you catch a cancer, the better the prognosis can be. And I think the difficulty comes like when someone does have the BRCA gene, for instance, that they're, co they're constantly nervous, that they're constantly wanting to check or constantly wanting to do the right tests. It's like almost that fear is, you know, in their minds all day, you know, or, or off, so often that like how often would one have to test even? So that's, that's actually, it's a really, um, that's a good question. So for BRCA, obviously, you know, that's, it's, only a, it's a much smaller percentage of the population that inherits those BRCA mutations. A little bit of background on BRCA mutations. They are actually what we call, um, they're in the family of tumor suppressor genes. So when you have the mutation, you're not um, able to suppress tumor growth as easily as possible. So it's actually that you, you want the BRCA gene to be working as well as possible. And when you don't have it working well because of the mutation, you can't suppress tumor growth. 
when you do have the mutation or you suspect you have a mutation in the BRCA genes, that's where you would consult with a genetic counselor and they would take you um, through the process of which genes you might want to consider testing. They're very specific companies that do that do genetic screening for those BRCA genes. It's often involving sequencing of your genome, parts of the gene uh, that are involved in um, cancer development. And if you do come out positive, that's where the genetic counselor becomes integral in the feedback process, uh, together with possibly your, your oncologist, if need be, but it's generally the genetic counselor that's involved there. And, talking, and generally, can, can we just go for a little bit of a break? We're talking to Helen Gauchi, and we're talking about cancer and the relationship between cancer um, and our environment and, and what switches on where. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We are talking the relationship between um, cancer and uh, our genetics. We're talking to Helen Gauchi. Helen, we, you, you, you were talking about the fact that we could go for specific testing. I know that we are concentrating particularly now and talking about the BRCA gene, but there's so many cancers. You could actually drive yourself insane if you go for early screening for all of them, some of the, even some of the time. Exactly. And, and that's, I think, where you have to understand or you or just put it into context of, of your risk. Um, as I said, if you've got that really strong family history, then that's maybe where you want to do those, those further tests and, and consult with a genetic counsellor. And, and if you do come out positive for BRCA, they are, the, the interventions are re- can be really drastic and it's where you choose to, to take on those interventions or not. It's, it's your double mistakectomy and, and, and hysterectomy, really, that is the preventive measure. And, and the prime example of someone actually taking that in the limelight is, um, as we know, is Angelina Jolie made it quite, um, quite a, 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 an interesting um, discussion topic. But then there are these other cancers. So you may not have a very strong family history. And, and then what, you know, what do you do? Is it, You don't want to worry yourself sick, um, which can actually happen as well Maybe in many ways. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to put so much stress on yourself being so anxious. And, and that's actually one of the big things is, is stress management around um, around lifestyle. And I think that's the next point to make is, Thinking about what are the um, the key diet and lifestyle preventative strategies to decrease one's risk, because we know that diet and lifestyle has a major role to play, and that is where the just that what what is um, given through our. Um, our public health care preventative measures from country to country. There are, um, we have our actually, what's a, a great resource is something called your World Cancer Research Fund. And that's an amazing resource and uh, research collaboration that gives or, or provides information on preventative measures um, to decrease risk of cancer. And that's where diet and lifestyle become really important, where we uh, speak so, about, yeah, sorry. So let, let, let's, talk, let's talk about diet and then let's talk about stress. 
let's let let's like really zoom down into it. What in our diet needs to change, or what should we be focusing on to try and ensure, to the best of our ability, that we're not making our bodies hosts or making our bodies vulnerable that 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 uh, you know that tumors can start start growing. And Helen, Absolutely. if I can ask that question, like, would it make sense for someone to do the genetic testing to understand? what their specific body would need um, diet-wise? I think it's, yes, both both areas. So you there are broader um, uh, interventions or broader uh, parts of dietary and lifestyle advice that you can put into play that I think everyone should follow. And then when you're looking at genetic testing, you can go that, that little bit further because What's so interesting about um, the genetic testing and when looking at the research, everyone might have an, you know, everyone might benefit from reducing smoked foods in their diet. And that's a really strong um, risk factor for your colon and breast cancer. But at the same time, there might be individuals who are more susceptible because of, as, as I mentioned, your, your detoxification process is not working so well, that you would want to really be very cautious about your environmental procarcinogens, the, the oxidative stresses in the environment, and take it that one step further to get personalized around um, what you're exposing your body to and what nutrients you want to take in. So I think it's a mix of both that you should always try to implement. When we speak about some of the biggest things around um, how we can decrease our risk for actually all chronic diseases of lifestyle, it is weight management that becomes really very important and very good evidence showing that increased um, uh, having a higher obesity and having a, a lot of weight gain during adulthood is associated with a lot of types of cancer. And if we're thinking breast cancer, that's a really um, big one that we want to avoid. So weight management becomes really important. And the reason behind that, or some of the reasons behind um, trying to control weight is because we control inflammation and through inf controlling inflammation, we control um, the amount of oxidative stress on the body, which are both drivers for these um, our DNA becoming a little bit rogue. So that's where we want to ensure that um, we've got good weight management, I mentioned the smoked foods and, and limiting red meat intake. That's a big one as well. Then things like uh, limiting your amount of sugary drinks, and uh, especially sugary drinks because it, it actually drives um, obesity. Um, so that's more the, the reason behind that. And then some other really, really important ones is ensuring exercise on a daily basis. Moderate intensity exercise on a daily basis is so important, again, for managing inflammation and oxidative stress. And, and, and then smoking and alcohol intake are, are also extremely important to avoid. And that's where overall environmental procarcinogens need to be taken into account. I want to take a step back. Uh, you, you measuring you, you mentioned sugary drinks. I'm like a, I'm on a campaign against sugar, period. Because I don't, you know, one doesn't realize, and I didn't realize it myself until I had to look at my diet, how much sugar is in everything but sugary drinks. It's in your mayonnaise and in your tomato sauce and in every can that you're opening and every, you know, the amount of sugar that we. I'm not talking about teaspoons of sugar that, you know, you're opening up. A, mm. 
like surely that that should also be taken into account because you know I, I've I've, I've, I've looked at this, this topic extensively and what I've come to understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that sugar per se, um, you know, and the amount of sugar we're taking is driving inflammation and cancer is inflammatory. And there's lots of like, like trying to cut it down simply saying, cut out your sugar, like starve those cancer cells, because that's, that's what's driving them to replicate. It's so it, it's a very interesting um, conversation, Adel, when it comes to sugar, because you know we get sh sugar comes in naturally from from fruit that we eat, and mm -hmm. and though that's where we might wa not want to say obviously yes cutting out all sugar because you get fantastic nutrients from that. But I I absolutely agree with you in our mayonnaise, our tomato sauce. Um, refined carbohydrates, uh, those are definitely foods that we want to really look at and be very cautious about how much of that we're taking in because, as you say, sugar does drive inflammation um, and, and then it drives stress in our body. Our, our bodies become too stressed when there's, when there's too much sugar in our, um, in our cells, in our bloodstream. So we want to um, definitely avoid the amount of sugar that is in our diet. Talk, talk, talk to us a little bit more. Why are you specific about red meat? So there, there's some interesting research around, um, one, the amount of the heme iron that comes through um, in red meat versus our white meat sources, so chicken and fish versus things like um, lamb and beef, and um, that uh, in the especially for for colon cancer, when there's too much of that heme, it can act as a a prooxidant, so it um it causes almost oxidative stress in in the gut. So that's one of the the um, mechanisms behind it. Another one is when we cook red meat at high temperatures and we get that lovely caramelized glaze on the meat. That is actually a really uh, oxidative that's an oxidative stressor and um, so when we take that in it it uh, aggravates our our gut and and the the cells in our gut and and eventually um starts to cause a lot of oxidative stress and inflammation in the gut so those are the two main have reasons. a bright tonight so, I have a <laughs> so and, and it's again in moderation you know some it's, people bright every day Adel. <laughs> yes, they are. So, and that's exactly so, and I, so, I think like some people actually think it's really healthy to do every single day there's no sauce it's just a bit of salt it's on a flame it's not in in oil exactly you know? and that flame you know if you think about that flame that flame is um you think about those those polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons we call them PAHs for short and those that smoke goes into the meat and we're eating that. And, and if we think about smoke as something that's really harmful to our body, so is the so is the meat that we eat that's exposed to it. So we just need to be cautious about moderation. And, and that's again where the genetics would come in. So it's a really easy example to get one's head around. But if you're thinking of, you know, if you have, again, these detoxification genes that aren't working so well, or if you're prone to inflammation because of genetics, um, the recommendation might be you can have a braai once or twice a week. But if you've got these um, genetic variations, you want to maybe be even more cautious about it. Um, lift your meat a little bit further from those flames. Don't cook over the open flames. Don't 
overcook your meat because that's also going to um, increase the the amount of those procarcinogens, the caramelization that occurs in the meat that you don't really want to match. Is there a is there a good way to cook meat? Because just now I'm going to take my fishing rod and go try find a fish <laughs> for supper. <laughs> or as chickpeas and lentils. <laughs> Fantastic. So one, um, Adel, the fish is a you know fish is a, a fantastic much better. It's it's a white protein. Um, animal protein so and it's got your omega-3s which are anti-inflammatory and then you if you if you cook it over a lower heat or if you marinate meat first that's a nicer way to be able to almost actually start the cooking process so it doesn't have to be on a heat for so on heat for so long and then vaguely to your point the chickpeas and lentils Eating more of those types of proteins um, are great because they contain dietary fibers, um, lignans, um, phytonutrients that are absolutely fantastic to support a lot of these, these biological processes that we want to make sure are working as well as possible when it comes to fighting cancer formation. Okay, okay. I'm going to have my bri, but um, I'm going to have to make a plan. <laughs> Helen, when it comes Just to eat lots of vegetables with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Helen, when it comes to inflammation and inflammatory markers, you know, the first time I ever had mine tested, I found it quite fascinating as to how they were at the time. And I, I'm not sure if people are so aware of inflammatory markers and, and like exactly how to test for them and what to do about it, you know, with the anti-inflammatory foods to eat, etc. Yes, and that's and there are actually many that are many markers that are available. I think that are com- becoming available. Um, I think it depends on which laboratories you um, have access to. There are more functional tests that be- are becoming available. When we talk about functional testing, it's it's testing almost that is is often done in research to be able to test the link between inflammation and disease. And and actually these laboratories are now offering these tests to the public. And it's fantastic to see what is available. So you have inflammatory markers, the one that is really and very easy to test at laboratories is your CRP, which stands for your C-reactive protein. In when someone is really ill, that CRP would be raised. But when you have chronic low-grade inflammation, so that's where there's nothing overtly, you can you might not see anything overtly wrong with you, but maybe your energy levels are not that great. If you're slightly overweight, generally individuals who um, have uncontrolled diabetes um, or um, are, have other markers related to heart disease will see some of these, these markers coming up for CRP, but it's actually your high sensitivity CRP that you would be more interested in. And then you could also look at ferritin, which is another marker of inflammation, um, and and then sometimes with with the more functional tests, you can start looking at at some of your um, your other pro-inflammatory cytokines like your interleukins, your interleukin six, um, that is another pro-inflammatory cytokine that can actually also be tested in more functional tests. And a really interesting one um, in functional testing is you can look at. And that's indirectly related to inflammation would be your um, your fatty acid status between omega-3s and omega-6s. And when you're thinking about omega-3s, think more generally your anti-inflammatory fats and your omega-6s being 
more generally considered more pro-inflammatory. So you want to get that ratio in your body right. And then if we're thinking about how we can manage inflammation, if these markers do come up, then we have to start considering, well, why are these markers high? Do we have genetic variants that are leading to increased um, production of these pro-inflammatory um, products and cytokines? Um, and then what is in our environment that we're being exposed to that is also increasing the inflammation? So are we really stressed? Are we, um, are we not exercising? Are we eating a modern Western diet? And um, are we taking in a lot of sugar and, and um, sort of your high um, trans fats, those, those um, fried foods that is all contributing towards the inflammation? What is your gut health like? Because that's a really big one when it comes to, to driving inflammation as well. And so, and then what are your omega-3s and your omega-6s like that you're taking in? So Adel was going to catch a, a fish today. You're going to get a few more of those omega threes coming in. Um, I have things to put like a I haven't touched meat the whole week. I love myself once a week. He's just make sure not to cook it in any tin foil. Uh, yes, that, that as well. Hey? Um, yeah. So I just want to go back to the the omega threes. I mean, I'm I'm quite aware of the high CRP and checking your ferritin. How does one check the ratio between omega-3 and omega-6? Is there a, a test that one does? There is a test and there's some laboratories that are available. They, they, they sort of, they mostly international laboratories, but we can always have, you know, as um, the world is uh, just so cosmopolitan and, and global, we have access to those tests. It's um, done through a blood spot. So you just prick your finger um, and, and they test what is happening, actually uh, the, the ratio um, in those cells on just a, a spot of blood. So it's a really easy access test to do. One of the laboratories that does it is our um, sort of a sister company of ours called uh, Nordic Laboratories. They're based in Denmark, but they have sort of global access to laboratories that they send different samples to for these functional testing. And I think there are some laboratories actually coming up in South Africa as well that will soon be offering these tests as well. So that's really, really interesting because that, that is something that, and surely these tests will change on a daily basis. And like if I sit down and have my bright tonight, I'm not going to pass very well the next day, right? In my omega-3 and 6 uh, that's a really good that's a really good point so some some markers are more stable they, they detect more long-term um, intake whereas other markers would detect more short-term intake so if you're looking at say um, your metabolites in your urine a lot of the time it might be more short-term but something when you're looking at red blood cells it, it does detect a longer-term trend in your lifestyle and diet but again those are it, it is capturing a moment in time and that is where um, your genotype is something that is fixed. So it's really nice to combine the two of them when getting an overall picture for health and what can you do to personalize your interventions as much as possible. And then one thing that I, I do want to mention that's even, you know, um, Fergie asked about um, another test that I thought would be interesting to discuss as well. Um, I don't know if we need to go on a break. We do, we do need to go on a break. So if you can just hold that thought. We're speaking to Helen Gauchi about the uh, relationship between 
uh, cancer and genetics would love you to join the conversation. 34519 is our SMS line 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. Just to mention that Faggy and I run a WhatsApp group. It's admin run so you don't get spammed. But every day we just drop a little good thought about how you can get healthier because we've recognized if you are cognizant of it and you get a little bit of chiding, you start to feel better just on your own. And that's what this show is all about. If you'd like to join the WhatsApp group, you can send an email to info at highfm.com. Give us your name, give us your cell number. And of course, you've got to have WhatsApp and we will gladly join you. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Helen, you were wanting to talk about another test and then I have another question. So go forward with the test. So there are some other tests, you know, if you do possibly have a strong family history or you may have um, been diagnosed with cancer um, and, and you are now in um, remission. Uh, so, so depending on, you know, that possibly that high level or if you if you just really do want to check on your status, if you think there are other, other risk factors that you're exposed to, um, there are now tests that are going to be coming available very soon um, in the country where you can look at um, circulating, almost circulating tumor cells in um, in the blood. So it's looking at, um, it's actually almost a wellness status check um, to qualify if there is tumor activity or not um, in the blood. And, it, and it's able to um, really identify over 50 types of um, risk for over 50 types of cancer. So that's again, um, where the, you know, often when you have um, a cancer, they release little cancer cells into the blood and you can then check for that. So that is going to be available soon for those individuals who want to do almost that more in-depth kind of wellness um, screen um, over and above these other tests around inflammation, around looking at your genotype. And then the, the last one, just then getting back to genotype, something that's more fixed beyond those bracket tests is something we called uh, call a polygenic risk score. So you look at many genes, thousands of genes um, that have been studied in, um, in different populations that then are very strongly related in combination to an increased risk for, say, breast cancer or colon cancer. And if you do have that higher risk score, then your screening becomes so much more important to do even earlier. So you become more vigilant with how many times you go for screens and, and, and the age that you start screening becomes very important as well. So from what I hear you saying is that it's not necessarily going to be a mammogram that people are going to wait to see the actual cancer there. It would be doing a blood test to see if the cancer is already starting to grow or starting to kind of... So they're, they're different. So you would obviously, I mean, I would always still, you know, you still do the mammograms, but there are these other tests that you can do that are, are very um, specific and or, or very sensitive rather um, for a number of cancers. So so you can do both. In fact, especially if you, if you maybe come out BRCA positive, you don't want to do the drastic interventions. That's another way where you can actually start looking at, at what is going on in your body at that more um, in-depth level. I want to, to go back again now when you were talking about all the different um, 
areas that can aggravate growth of cancer. And one of them is that you said exercise. And this was something that 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 I kind of like learned, like, you know, I understood the value of exercise. I um, I got myself a personal trainer. This was pre-COVID days. Came to my house. She like whipped me. Uh, you know, I was doing absolutely <laughs> everything that I was supposed to do to strengthen and come and go and whatever have you. And afterwards, for two, three days until she came back. So she came on a Monday and a Thursday, like Tuesday and Wednesday. My body was recovering. I was sore. I had joint pain. I felt terrible. And by the time I'd recovered on Thursday, I started it all again until I actually engaged with the doctor. And he went and explained to me that different exercise is important for different people. And today I've come to realize that like for me, yoga and, and, and walking is far more better. My body, my body likes it more than me, for example, going on a two-kilometer run, right? Because when I go on that two-kilometer run, I, I create oxidators, so my body does not like mm. that process. Can you talk to that? Like, what is your uh, opinion on that? Absolutely, um, it's such a it's such a good point your doctor made. Um, everyone requires something different, um, and and everyone suits something different. So when we're looking at the, especially if you're starting off on an exercise regime, it it really isn't advisable to to have someone whip you into a, a crazy routine that you're so sore that um you know it it becomes really difficult to do anything for the next few days until until the next one and it and it becomes this pattern of just pushing your body too hard because absolutely um very high intensity exercise or even you know considering if you are not used to exercising and you do a very intensive session for your level it is going to create oxidative stress and and that is not what we want so we want to just be able to it's almost so with exercise you always have a little bit of oxidative stress that is created but it's the level that's really important so when you have there's just a small oxidative stress that actually drives processes in your body that then increase a lot of antioxidants in your own cells to work really well um, and and it, inc it increases um good messaging and and a lot of cellular processes that work really well then depending on the type of exercise and um, you also get um different muscles that are being worked um different types of um proteins that are being expressed so when we're thinking of something like yoga it's Definitely more moderate intensity, very tough, but more moderate intensity in nature. And so there's less of a stressor on the body. Together with that, they, it's almost a form of meditation as well. So you're getting the stress management together with it. And, and we were going to touch on that stress management Let's together. Let's do that because we've got, a, we've got a couple of minutes left. Let's just talk about the stress management. Yes, and, and so that is really, really important. It's becoming this major area of research where we see that emotional trauma, high stress in, um, in the work environment, in the family environment, can have as much of a negative effect as a, a physical trauma on one's body and um, on one's mind, especially. And, and that can increase these inflammatory markers in the blood that we spoke about. It can increase the level of oxidative stress. And so really, really important to keep one's mind 
well um, through stress management strategies. And when we talk about stress management, Edel, the, the yoga is a fantastic way to do it. Deep breathing is another way to really help with that connection between the brain and the gut. And then another one would be cold water immersion for, for the brave. Um, I was going to say skip, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) I I stick to the yoga, the the deep breathing. Me too. And and another one, (laughs) just some meditation. Um, And then getting out into nature um, has been shown to be amazing. A fantastic study looking at children, actually, and putting just a a natural playground in in more city centers um, has showed improvement in cortisol which is one of the stress um, hormones improvement in cortisol levels improvement in gut health function just being outside and playing in nature um so really really important to ensure that you're looking at stress management and having some kind of supportive environment around you is really important well that has really i think i think we've put a lot of uh, pieces of the puzzle together. We'll be back shortly. This is 101.9 Kaya FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Well, this has really been a fascinating conversation. And I think that, Helen, what you have um, brought to, to the show today is to show that we really have to live holistically. You know, like today, we kind of like kind of get completely focused on, on, on one thing, say it's the cancer and we go for the cancer, but don't realize that the cancer has developed because of so many other things. And in life, it's all about that, just either being narrow minded or broad minded mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, looking at our lifestyle and looking at what we eat and looking how we manage stress. All of that has an incredible part to play. Uh, final comments on, 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 on this topic. Uh, truly, Ada, I don't think I can't say it better. It, it really is being holistic and, and not, not worrying about one thing, making sure you live well overall, supporting all biological processes. Do your screening and, and treat your body like a temple. Yes, amen to that. Okay, so look, I am going to have my bride. It's only two <laughs> and lots of vegetables. And Just I'm hold off on that, that omega test, Adel. <laughs> yes, I actually I'm very interested in that. Uh, Helen, thank you very much, uh, you know, for your your expertise and your explanations. They really, really have uh, certainly enlightened me and hopefully enlightened our listeners out there. Thank you, Faggy, for joining me. And uh, we'll be back next week with a, another show. In the meantime, live a happy, healthy week ahead. Thank you, everybody.